Success is spelled action, and that's what we're talking about today on the Doc on the Run podcast. Now, before we get started in this episode, if you're confused and you're not sure exactly what's wrong with you or what you can do, I actually did something recently. It was a presentation that we had called 12 Steps to Rapid Recovery from Running Injuries. And so this was a live presentation where I went through in order what I actually do with every single person who calls me for a consultation. So this is worth listening to. So it's only up for a limited time. We're gonna have some replays available. I think I did live, but if you got the invitation, you missed it, I'm sorry, but we do have some replays available because I got lots of emails afterwards asking for it for the people that actually couldn't show up for one reason or another. So. We will have those available. If you want to get it, you can go to docontherun.com slash 12 steps and you should be able to access it there if it's still live whenever you're listening to this. That's one thing that might be really useful for you if you are confused. So let's cue up the theme song and then we'll get right into the episode. So the big question is this, how are runners like us who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. Now, today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we've got a really special guest, and this is Gary Stotler, and he's back on the show. He's been on the show before, and there are very few people who've been on the show more than once, and he's here to talk about his new book and help you figure out how you can make the little decisions that you need to make to get out of any rut and get back on track. Now, several years ago, I had the honor of speaking with Gary, and the reason I wanted to talk to him was that he actually had gone from weighing about 400 pounds to running 100 miles. And so there is an episode where you can hear that entire story uh, on the Doc on the Run podcast several years ago, and it's entitled From 400 Pounds to Running 100 Miles. We'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. But this is exactly the thing. He really did go from being somebody who was seriously overweight to somebody who not only lost the weight, but also started running ultra marathons and even took a stab at Leadville more than once. And Leadville, obviously, is one of the toughest 100-mile races on the planet. And Gary's not just an incredible athlete, but he's a really special person. And he's a personal development expert who can really help you, whether it's you know, trying to take your business to the next level, trying to really make the next part of your personal growth journey that's going to really make a difference in your life and your family's life. You know, he, he really understands that stuff. And I think we're really fortunate to have him back on the show to share his wisdom, experience, and inspiration with you today. So Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, yeah, no, it's awesome that you're here. Um, now, for you know all those people who may be listening to this episode who don't really know who you know who you are Gary and um and they're a little baffled when they hear this like I actually I remember when I was doing your episode somebody on Twitter uh replied to me when I posted your episode and they said something to the effect of like well let's just call it clickbait meaning that they really didn't believe it was possible that somebody could go from one, you know, weighing 400 pounds to running 100 miles. It just doesn't seem possible, but you know, you help people do all kinds of impossible things now with the way that you do things in your coaching business. And um, so why don't you just uh, give us a quick introduction, you know, about who you are, the, the sort of reader's digest version of that story about what really helped you to transform your own life uh, and take on this whole new role that you have now. Absolutely. And uh, 
let's see, let's, let's start here. Let's start with the 400 pounds. Cause I was, as, as I was pulling up the zoom link today, it, it dawned on me that it's actually been nine years from since two days ago, since I stepped on the scale at 400 pounds. And for, this is the first time in my life that it hasn't just been like, Oh, I'm, I'm eagerly waiting to, for that day to come. It just kind of came and gone. Cause uh, I, well, I have many reasons why, but um, yeah, I was 400 pounds. I was 28 years old and I, you know, I was, I was scared I was going to die. I was scared I was going to have a heart attack. And so at that time, the only thing that I was actually good at was business. And so I took everything that I had consumed and learned to make myself successful in business. I took it and I was like, okay, so in order to make a million dollars, you have to first save a penny. And I was like, okay, in order to, you know, do anything, lose 20 pounds, you have to first start moving around the block. So that's what I did. I took a walk around the block and then I retaught myself how to eat using a portion control bowl. And so what I did was what it really ultimately did, what it did was bring mindfulness to my behaviors in the kitchen and it moved action, moved my body with action and movement. And so I was literally like, I was, I was getting twice the results with half the effort because I was focused on little incremental modifications. I didn't change who I was. I didn't say, okay, I'm going to go from a 10 of this to a 10 of this. I said, I'm going to go from a 10 of this to a nine of this and from a zero of this to a one of this. So I started removing the poor behaviors and adding in positive behaviors. And what that did was I, I started changing ridiculously quickly because I wasn't trying to be perfect at 10 things. I was trying to be excellent at one. And so I just, I just got really good at doing one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. Next thing I know, I woke up two years later, nearly 200 pounds lighter, woke up two years later, uh, was a hundred mile finisher. And this past year, um, I used the same formula, if you will, to teach myself to ride a mountain bike. And not only have I finished the Leadville hundred mile run uh, twice, I actually finished the Leadville hundred mile mountain bike race this past summer using that same formula. I started as a, a nothing and I taught myself to ride a mountain bike and somehow, some way finished hundred miles on the mountain bike. And so it works in fitness. It's really easy to say, okay, here's a hundred mile race, like go out and do it. But all of these same principles I actually learned in business, I was able to take them, use them in fitness to kind of give me something that I tangible that I could look at. And then I've been able to re-pull them back into business and build an entire career based off of executive coaching and strategic development with organizations using a very simple philosophy of the one mile rule, which is do what you can, start where you are, do your best, and then finish the mile that you're in. And by doing that, we add in one positive thing. We crowd out one um, maybe unhealthy or poor behavior, and we can do it with executives. We can do it with businesses and organizations. We can do it in fitness and health and just life in general. You name it, we can implement this very simple philosophy, this very simple program, and we start where we are. And next thing you know, we're doing stuff that is seemingly impossible, yet we somehow make it happen. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it's a really interesting point, right? That everything in athletics is actually really simple as soon as you get started. And, you know, if you think you want to run a marathon, it's like a lot of people go out and buy some book on training for marathons or how to run a four hour marathon in four months or whatever, you know, they pick some path. But as soon as they make the decision and sign up for the race, the rest of it is actually pretty simple. You just do what's in front of you. You know, you map out a plan. And you don't worry about what you're doing next week. You worry about what you have to do today and how you're going to pick up the kids and how you're going to go to work and how you're going to still fit in that run or whatever. And it, it's really simple when you have that path. But 
you know, with the executive coaching, I would imagine when people are trying to figure out how to become someone they're not, there is no clear path for that. And it's a lot like what I do with running injuries, I think, you know, it's, it's about indecision. Because the, the runners who book consultation calls with me or they buy one of the courses on how to do their own self-diagnosis, well, when I talk to those people and I really dissect down to what it is that's really happened, there's always one thing in common, and that's that indecision is the crux of the matter. You know, they, sometimes it's because they, they think that they have a stress fracture because one of their running butters, bunnies said they probably have a stress fracture, or even worse, they think they have a stress fracture, they go to the doctor, the doctor takes an x-ray and says, yeah, you have a stress fracture, but there's no crack. So we'll take another x-ray, another x-ray in a couple of weeks to verify that it's a stress fracture. So then they leave there saying, we well, said there's a stress fracture, but there's no stress fracture. So you're going to check and see if there's a stress fracture, they're even more confused. You know, or they do, like I saw this thing today where somebody put something on, um, on Facebook in one of the running group forums and they just ask a very vague question. And there's like literally a hundred different answers with everything from see an orthopedic surgeon to try essential oils. And then that's not really helpful. You can't take a hundred different paths. You've got to do one thing, just like you said. And so, you know, I think that this is really the thing. And, and what I wanted to get from you today, you know, given your book and I know your approach and I know you, uh, so I know that your book, of course, is called Success is Spelled Action. And I want to know how your philosophy can really take somebody, whether they're a high level executive trying to get to the next level in their career or just somebody who's an average runner that gets an average running injury, but they can't get past that running injury. Like, what is it that you do to actually get them to make that shift away from trying to just figure everything out to just taking the next step and actually getting moving on one thing like you talk about? How do you do that? I love that question. So the number one thing that I teach above anything and everything else is communication. And I know that sounds really weird. You're like, well, you, you know, for so long I was a running coach and they're like, you teach communication to runners. And that's exactly what I do is I teach communication to runners and athletes. I teach communication to executives and organizations because just what you said, there's a hundred different ideas on this one thing. And so if I try to go into a hundred different directions, I stop right here out of pure overwhelm and confusion. So literally, the very first thing I do is, is learn to communicate with ourself. And so by doing that, all right, there's 100 different options, 99 of them, I don't actually know if they're going to work. But here's one, I only need one that's going to work. Mm. And I'm going to take the first step on that one. And I'm going to master that one. It might be 20 minutes, it might be a day, it might be a week, it might be a month, whatever it is, but I'm going to master that one. And you better believe that I'm going to take that one thing and I'm going to master it better than anybody else in the world. And so I deal with it on more of a month to month basis, if you will. But if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to nail it this month. It is my one thing for the month, my one goal, my one everything. Because remember, I don't want to go from 100 to zero and zero to 100. I want to go from 100 to 99 and zero to one. And eventually, I know with forced repetition of the mundane, I'm going to take that zero to one, two, three, four, five, next thing you know, I'm 100 on that, and I've reduced it over here. So it's not this humongous leap. It's a simple step, simple step, simple step. And as I go one, two, three, now, that, now I've mastered it. Now I know that it's working, or I know that it's not working, and I can go back and I can reassess. But now I have three, four, five, six steps more of information now that I have that information, it takes that clutter of 100 things. I've done one. So now there's clutter of 99 things. 
I've done one. So now there's a clutter of 98 things and I just check those boxes and I'm just willing to do one thing and I'm willing to do it so well that I know that it's either working fantastically or it's not working at all. And I'm willing to say, okay, look, it's one thing and I know exactly what the problem is or I know exactly what the solution is. And because I know exactly what it's doing and I'm measuring progress along the way and I'm working on it, I'm so overly focused on this one thing that I'm just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then I'm not scared to leave it. Like there's this idea in economics called sunk cost. Mm -hmm. If you put a whole bunch of money in and then a project's not working, you have that you can either put more money in or you can sunk the cost of your time, energy, effort, attention. I'm willing to sink that cost because I'm not putting, I'm only putting one piece of effort in, one piece of attention in. And so it's a lot easier for me to dump something that's not working and then add something else that could potentially work in the future. Next thing you know, I know the exact process that I've gone to get from where I am to where I'm gonna go. So if I have to start all over again, I've already built the process. I've already been through one through 10 and I just go back, okay, I gotta start over again. Boom, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Every single time that I do it, I get better, I get faster, I get more efficient, I get more effective, and I just keep moving forward. And next thing you know, that 99 things that you don't know what's going on becomes one thing that you do, and you're off to the races. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I, um, I mean, part of this is like, I, I wanted to ask you about frameworks that you use, because over the last 10 years, you know, I've been working with runners and many, many years, but for 10 years now, I've been going to medical conferences and teaching the approaches that I use with injured runners to physicians so that they can hopefully go back to their communities and treat them better, rather than just saying, well, you're injured, you have to quit running. Like that doesn't really make sense if you stop and think about it for a second, but that is the standard advice. And so, you know, I've developed frameworks that I know work with injured runners. And it's really simple. Like everybody who calls me or sends me a message or email or anything else, they always want to know, well, if I have a fourth metatarsal stress fracture, how long is it going to be before I can run? And when I do talks at medical conferences on this topic, believe it or not, I start with slides where I'm like, okay. And it's like a picture of somebody meeting with a financial advisor. You know, it says, if you go to your financial advisor and you say, how soon can I retire? They're going to ask you some really basic questions. Like how much money do you have? How much money do you make? How fast do you spend money? And how much money do you want you to retire? They don't say 30 years. The answer is 30 years. But everybody wants that like four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, some kind of answer from me. But you can't find that answer unless you put it in this framework. So I'm always like, okay, the diagnosis doesn't matter that much. What matters more is how bad it is. Let's figure out how bad it is. Let's figure out what the actual problem is. Let's figure out what your goal is. Let's figure out what you can do to start moving toward that goal today, not four weeks from now, not when you get your next x-ray. And then let's take the step and move on. And so I have these very specific frameworks that I know now that I use that it took me a while to kind of identify and define them, but I can teach them to physicians, you know, and I'm sure you've got to have those same kind of frameworks. So like when somebody comes to you and they say, well, you know, I know I'm undercharging. I know that I'm not really training as much as I should. I know that I should lose more weight and I know I know what to do, but I'm just not. Is there some kind of framework you apply to it aside from like something different that's, you know, sort of a broader thing than just like do the next right thing right now? What is it that you do with those frameworks when somebody needs your help to move from this position where they're stuck to some place where they really want to get moving and get back on the right path? What do you do? Absolutely. So I'm going to build you a little mental picture for just a second. So the three primary things I focus on is communication, confidence, and self-care. And those build on each other. I don't have time to go through them. And then I climb the mountain of empowerment. Everything, you should probably know everything comes back to mountains for me because that's where I spend most time. But there's five steps to climb your mountain of empowerment. The very first step is awareness. 
We have to find out, just like you said, what's the actual problem? We think, people think that being overweight is the problem. That's not the problem. There's some, there's a reason all that weight is on there. It could be eating, could be lack of exercise, but it's likely emo emotional and mental things that are going on. And so we got to find what we have to communicate with ourselves and actually be willing to say, what's the actual real problem? Once we dig, 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 now we can say, okay, here's the problem that I'm going to go after. So awareness is the first thing. What's the problem? And then we're going to build disciplines. Disciplines is a step, the second step. We're going to go awareness to disciplines. We're going to build basic, simple, effective disciplines that we can that we can do, we can follow through on. And we're going to master those disciplines because what happens is step three is confidence. Once we can master those disciplines, confidence is simply being able to trust yourself. Is what I say and what I do the same? If it is, I have confidence. If it's not, I don't have confidence. But what that does is just in real life, when we're climbing a mountain and we get about halfway up, we're gonna need that confidence because the next thing that comes is challenges. Whether we put them in front of ourselves or whether the universe puts it there, there is going to be challenges. And most people climbing a hill, running a hill, they're like, oh, it's a hill. I don't want to take it. And give me that, give me that mountain, give me that hill, because I know that the stimulation that it takes, the mental, the physical, the emotional stimulation that I get from that challenge is what's going to build me into the person I need to overcome the challenges in life. And what that does, that fifth step, when you're standing on top of a mountain and you're looking, you're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I can see all the other mountains. That's empowerment. You're standing there with a smile. A lot of times I'll sit on the mountain and I'll cry and, or I'll scream. But what that does is it's the process of building the awareness, building the disciplines, creating the confidence, overcoming the challenges and stimulating yourself to growth to become the person you need to become to climb another mountain. You stand on the top and you're empowered. And it's the same in running or fitness. And it's the same in business. We follow those five steps doing those three things. And next thing you know, we're doing stuff that you didn't know was, was even possible. You're climbing mountains in life and in fitness that you didn't even know existed because you couldn't see them from standing on the bottom. No, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, I just... I think there's so much to this, right? Like this, particularly, I know yours is mainly taking executives to a new level in, in their life and their business, but, and, and I know you've helped lots and lots of runners in the past, you know, make these same kind of changes, really dramatic, abrupt changes, not in a year, not in a month, but like today. And it really does start with that. I remember in med school, actually, there was a really good friend of mine and he was seeing this therapist who was trying to get him motivated and she gave him a little packet of seeds with some kind of flowers in it. And she said, I want you to take these home and I want you to plant them. And so I, I had, I, we went to lunch that day and he was telling me the story that he'd gone to his therapist and, you know, told him to plant these seeds. And every single time I picked him up to go someplace, every time we did something together, I was like, hey, Jim, do you plant those seeds? And he would just kind of roll his eyes and stuff. And it literally took him like a year and a half to plant the seeds, you know, and he still talks about it today about how like it literally took him a year and a half to plant some seeds, you know, and you're not going to change real fast if you're doing that. And it's not really a surprise that with all the stuff that he was quote unquote working on during that time, his therapist didn't change a lot until he actually planted those seeds. And sometimes that's all it takes to get moving, you know, and with runners, when they call me, they're usually surprised when they start telling me about their energy. I'm like, okay, what is your pain level? You need to write down your pain level today, walk around your house, figure out what your pain level is. Like you got to do something today. And they're like, but that doesn't really matter. I'm like, okay, did you track your heart rate last time you ran? Did you track your distance, your pace, your perceived exertion? Did you make notes on how it felt? You're injured now. 
and you're going to not even pay attention to what's going on. Like it doesn't make sense. And so I'll usually tell them as a very first thing, figure out what your pain level is. You got to take one step. So is there a sort of a standard first step you give people when they contact you and they're new to you and you don't really know them yet? You don't really know their personality or their, their, their challenges, you know, in detail like you would once they really start to communicate with you. But is there some sort of uniform first step you give people who like, look, if you want to get out of trouble, you got to do something. This is what you start with. Yes. And it's nearly identical as what you just said. So I journaling is my thing. I carry my journal everywhere. If you're going to work with me, that is the first thing that you are required to have, whether we're on a call or in life. So the very first thing that I do, clear the clutter. Because what's happening is most people are not communicating with themselves. They're, so if they're injured, so we'll just use that example. If someone's injured, they're probably taking Tylenol, ibuprofen, this, that, the other thing, whatever it is. They don't even know what the pain level is because they're trying to, oh, if I just take this Tylenol, it'll go away. If I just do this, it'll go away. If I just go sit in the sauna, it'll go away. Whatever it is, you're lying to yourself. You're masking the pain. Look, I want to look at that pain and I want to find out exactly where that pain is coming from. And I, don't, I haven't taken a Tylenol, even a Tylenol since 2019. And it's 2022. And I want to know when my body hurts, I want to know exactly where it hurts. And I'm going to say, okay, my hip hurts. Why does my hip hurt? And I'll just go through and I'll like, so I'll go to my journal. And I'll be like, all right, what is the problem? My hip hurts. Well, why? And I will why, 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 why it until I find out exactly, well, have I been exercising? Have I been sitting too much? Have I been doing this? Have I been doing this? And I will question myself all the way down. It works in eating and it works in business too. In uh, eating, journaling. I want to know exactly what I'm eating and I'm going to write it down before I eat. And I'm not counting calories. I'm not counting macros. I could care less. I want to know what I'm eating. I want to know why I'm eating it. And I want to know how I want to eat in the future. If I, if I wake up for breakfast, I'm like, all right, cup of coffee. Boom. I can handle a cup of coffee. Bacon and eggs and toast and waffles and blah, 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 whatever that is. I just found my problem. Mm. If I go to bed at night and I'm like, and before I go to bed, and this is a real example, I used to have a 32 ounce milkshake every single day before I went to bed. When I, the very first time that I wrote that down on my journal, I knew the problem. It right. was obvious, but guess what? I have been doing it for years and never once did it dawn on me that I shouldn't be drinking a, a milkshake before I go to bed. It was just the way that I'd always done it. Sounds silly, right? But I did this in, in finance as well. Before I spent a penny, it didn't matter if I was buying a 25 cent pack of gum or a $500 suit, I wrote it down. And what happened is it brought complete and utter awareness to what I was doing. I was able to find the problem. Oh, well, I'm spending 50 bucks on booze and dinner every single night of the week. Well, right. duh, no wonder I don't have any money. But yeah. what happens is often we put on a credit card, we just eat it and we, we purposely forget that we ate it or we take a Tylenol, we cover it up. So we never actually get to the bottom of the problem. So it's no wonder that we don't ever fix the problem because we're just covering symptoms rather than going directly to the source of it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, runners do it over and over and over. They don't track their pain. They track everything else. You know, they know like how much stretching they did. They know even what they ate, even when they're some of them, even when they're actually injured and all of it just goes out the window, the stuff they know that works in training, they just completely abandon it because they say they're confused. You know, I'm like, you're confused because you've not been in this scenario before it's, but it's no different than training. It's exactly the same. And so, it, you know, it's usually easy to get them to make that transition, but 
you can't do it if you're, if you're lying to yourself, you know, and there's a, there's a woman I always use an example when I do this talk at medical conferences on runner's heel pain, because she had a, she had a stress fracture in her heel bone, which can blow apart if you keep running on it. Right. And what she did was actually incredible. So she, she needed to get an MRI. I was pretty sure she had a stress fracture. I wanted to prove to her that she had a stress fracture in her heel bone so that she didn't run on it, blow it apart. So I said, okay, go get your MRI. I'll meet you. You know, I'll look at it on Wednesday or whatever. And so I get to her house to look at the MRI with her and she has the MRI. And of course I ask her, how does it feel? Cause she was supposed to do some stuff between when I saw her and went last and when I was going to see her that day. How's it feel? She says, it's pretty sore today. I was like, okay, why did you do this and this and this? She said, well, I did those things, but I ran 16 miles today after I got the MRI. And I was like, why did you run 16 miles today? And she said, because I knew you were going to tell me I couldn't run today. And I was like, man, if, if you were your own patient, that'd be like malpractice, you know? I mean, this doesn't make any more sense than somebody buying a Maserati on their way to talk to their accountant about how to develop a budget. Like this is bananas. But, you know, she was lying to herself and she obviously knew better. She was a doctor. But I think it's very, very easy to take the stuff that you think works like running and just go run blindly even when you're injured, the same way that some people just continue to go broke if they're making a lot of money. You know, it's the exact same problem, really. It's just what you said. It's just lying to yourself. And you're just not being clear about what you need and about what it's really going to take. And then just sucking it up and doing the work. Sometimes that's training more, doing different things. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's working harder to make sure that you don't make these mistakes that you would never make in training. And it's, you know, taking stuff you already know and applying it. But it's, it's so fascinating to me that people can be so far off in their decisions when they seemingly have all the information at their disposal. So I know your specialty is really taking people that obviously people who are smart, who are educated, who are motivated, who are really trying to make big changes and you help them really get over the hump and start making those changes. So um, I also know that a lot of people, when they hear somebody like you, who's written a couple of books who has done something really incredible, who seems to be kind of a, you know, a personality per se on um, social media, who, you know, seems like a celebrity, frankly, like they, they're surprised when they actually find out they can work out uh, with you directly, like talk to you, work through their problems, figure out how to make these big changes in their lives. And so, you know, for all of you listening right now, I'll say that Gary is actually a very approachable guy. He is, he is an amazing individual, no doubt, but you can actually talk to him and work with him directly if he has slots available. I think his calendar is pretty full right now, but you know, uh, if somebody wants to reach out with you, of course, I would say start by getting a copy of the book. You know, success is spelled action. Like take one step, do one thing, buy the book, read the book, decide you're going to read the book, buy a journal. You know, he's going to ask you to get one anyway. So get a copy of the book and get a journal. And then how can they get a hold of you directly if somebody wants to work directly with you, Gary? So the best way to get a hold of me, if you go to my website, GaryStotler.com, uh, or you can get there by through OutRunYourExcuses.com. It'll say, take you to the same place. There's a contact me piece on there. You can go right through that. And you can just contact me right through my website. It goes right to my email. And then we can set up a phone call. There's also a way to set up a phone call directly. Uh, you can just go to my calendar link. If there's a slot available, you can just go ahead and snag it. There's a paid hour slot for a strategy call, or there's a free 20 minute slot. I'd love for you just to pick up the phone for 20 minutes. And what that'll do is it'll give us a quick introduction and we can figure out from there. Um, I'm not, I, I love, you know, 
I love helping people. That's my ultimate goal in life. I do what I do for the money just because I have to eat just like everybody else. But, you know, schedule a 20 minute call. 20 minutes is 1% of your day. And if 1% can make you better, I'm willing to spend 1% of my day helping you get better. And yeah. maybe it's a quick, you know, maybe it's a quick journal exercise. Maybe it's a quick, hey, you just need to need an ear. But that'll, that'll start a line of communication. And uh, you get the best of me on the phone. I'm not going to lie. A cup of coffee is, uh, so excuse me, a cup of coffee with me is the best way. Uh, the phone is the second best way, <laughs> the second best piece of me. So um, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be a great spot. And then, yeah, if you pick up success to spell action, um, there's a little section on how to start journaling. And it's just super simple. It's three steps over 90 days. And sometimes that's, that's what we need to really get ourselves going. So um, super simple. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way. All right, Gary. Well, listen, I thanks. I mean, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know you're busy. I know this is taking time out of your day. And I know you've got people who want your attention. And I'm really grateful you took time out of your calendar to come here and share all of your wisdom, experience, and guidance with all of our listeners today. So thank you. Thank you for having me so much. I appreciate you. And I look forward to talking to you again. All right. Thanks, Gary.